Decoding Real Estate. Hello and welcome to Decoding Real Estate. I'm host Reggie Nicolay, joined by my co-host Jeannie Willett, and you're listening to a new podcast from Realtors Property Resource. Each episode, we'll be interviewing market leaders in the industry and breaking down important topics for your real estate business and turning that into actionable advice you can implement. We have some amazing guests planned. And I love that our first interview is with Verl Workman from Workman Success Systems. Reggie, you and Verl go way back, right? Yeah, I've known Verl for over a decade, and I've been able to watch his authority grow as a master coach, motivator, and founder and CEO of Workman Success Systems. Verl and his company take real estate agents to the next level by helping them develop strategies, or what they call systems, for making each individual realize their own potential. He's also probably one of the most humble guys you'll ever meet. He's also just so engaging. And I really appreciate his ability to turn everything back to personal accountability with real metrics to track daily progress. I think world strategies will be so helpful for real estate pros looking to take the next step in their business. Without a doubt. We dive deep with Verl today on when the right time is to build a team, how to find A players for that team, and then once you do, how do you best track your team's performance? So without further ado, here's our interview with Verl Workman. Verl, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So we had a chance to touch base recently, and I was talking about the pandemic and talking about some of the challenges I've heard from agents. And I think at one point I mentioned the word pivot, right? And I really enjoyed your response. You're not a fan of that word pivot. You, you know, well, just because, just because, you know, I don't look like I play basketball, but I do. And I, you know, and when you, when you pivot in basketball, it's just kind of a funny thing. A pivot happens when you stop dribbling. So, you know, you're headed to the basket and you're dribbling and all of a sudden your defense comes up or something, an obstacle comes in your way. You stop dribbling, you hold the ball. Well, you can no longer move toward the basket. You have to plant one foot. You can spin around in circles, but you can't, you you stop making any progress. So when people say pivot to me, I think, oh, so you want to stop making progress? I I just want to keep bouncing. So, you know, our, 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 our thought process during the pandemic was to build for the bounce. You know, we believe that people move because of life events that occur, and those life events don't stop occurring as a result of a pandemic. People still get married, they still get divorced, their kids grow up, they're, you know, they move back in, they move back out, they get relocated, they lose their job, they find jobs. Those life events are what cause real estate transactions to take place. And a lot of people pivoted, they were shifting around trying to figure out what to do. We just said, look, those life events are going to occur, there's going to be a tremendous amount of pent-up demand. So how do we focus on getting ready for the big bounce when it happens? It's such a great term. And anytime, by the way, you tie it back to basketball terminology for me, it's going to make more sense. So (laughs) I absolutely love that. No, I needed the explanation to that. So I appreciate that as well. (laughs) Right. So let's expand on that a little bit more because you make some great points. So, so what, what exactly were you telling your, you know, I liked your, your term there. What were you saying during the pandemic? How can you get these individuals moving forward in their business, not getting stuck? I think that, you know, real estate people, like most salespeople, have this, um, this intuitive thing they do when they have conversation. They are constantly looking for ways to create opportunity. So every time they talk to you, say, oh, by the way, do you know anyone that wants to buy or sell a house? Or, 
you know, I'm, you know, they call for one reason, but the real purpose is because they, they want something in return. And those relationships aren't very deep. I don't know, you know, um, in back in my early days of owning retail stores, we used to sponsor the Utah jazz. And as part of that sponsorship, I got basketball tickets to every game and they were great seats. You would not believe all the friends I had. <laughs> People call me every time there's a game. It was an un- and then, you know, when I, when I closed my stores and went into real estate, I didn't keep that those jazz tickets anymore. I've never heard from most of those people again. And those people that only call you when they want something really aren't aren't real authentic relationships. So in this build for the bounce, we decided to, you know, we always had this saying that we said, serve before opportunity. If you serve first, the opportunities will come. And one of my master coaches, uh, Cleve Gaddis, said to me, Verl, he said, um, I like that, but I think we should elevate it. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, why don't we serve regardless of the opportunity? What if we just serve to serve and not expect anything in return? And if we do that, I'll bet you our business will grow. And so we took that, I t- we took that concept and we said, okay, so how do we serve the industry? What can we do? And then how do we teach that to our clients so they can serve their clients and create this you know, snowball effect. So here's what we did. We decided that we were going to put on webinars and we were going to help agents figure out how to flip and do virtual transactions, how to do virtual open houses, how to be masters of virtual real estate, how to message to the market that you can be safe when life events occurs that cause you to move. And we gave them away. I think I did 100 free webinars in the first 60 days. And um, anybody that would let us have it, we just gave it away. We wrote white papers and delivered things and we just served. And as part of that serve, we taught our agents to do the same thing. So we taught our team leaders, reach out to your clients and say, how can I help? Not how can I help? Oh, by the way, we're still doing real estate, just flat out. How's your family? How's your work? I know you've got kids in college. Mine have come home. What about yours? Let's just have conversations. And if you do that without the agenda of expecting something back, I promise them that their businesses would grow. And it was really cool to see all of a sudden the light switch turned on and all the people that had received service, not only from us, but from all of our clients to the consumer. I, without, without question and without an exception, everybody who adopted that philosophy had massive growth during the pandemic. I, I say to my friends, you don't want to be a motivational speaker in the middle of a pandemic when everything shuts right. down. That's like, who wants that job? Right. right. But kind of in essence, you are, right? Without, without that being the intention, right? I think people needed positivity. Yeah. They needed, you know, connection. That's what we were all missing. And that's what you provided. But I love that's a perfect segue to talking about teams, because you mentioned that. And okay. I know that Workman Success Systems. <laughs> Workman Success Systems has a heavy emphasis on teams. So why do you think being part of a real estate team is so important to unlocking one's full potential? Okay, so that's a great question. Um, Is it okay if I go one step backwards before I go forward? And so, and that's why teams, right? Why, Why do even people have teams? What's the point? And here's what I believe. I believe that when you're good at something, it creates more opportunities. The better you are at selling houses, the more people refer their friends and family to you. And you get to a point where you have to, um, and I watched, Reggie, I watched your wife go through this. Um, She was really good at real estate and really good at social media because she was good at it. It created more opportunities. But as she said yes to those opportunities, then she had to say no to other things that were more important in life, like family and faith and friends and fun and fitness. 
And so you either have to say no to one thing or no to the other. And when we say yes to those clients, we say no to the other things that are more important. And so why teams matter is it allows you to have leverage. And so you can deliver a high-level customer experience, but you don't have to be the only one delivering the service. And so we can serve more families as a team than you can as an individual. And it gives you the ability to serve your own family at a higher level. So I like to say that no other success can compensate for failure in the home. And if I help you, you know, build a business that you're doing hundred million in real estate, making a couple million dollars in commission, but we do it at the expense of your family, then I failed you as a coach. So that's why teams matter. I think that the consumer today is more used to dealing with teams than individuals. I mean, I don't know about you, but when, you know, when I went and got back surgery and my general practitioner said to me, Hey, Burl, you got a messed up back. I look at your MRI, the disc is blown out. But the good news is I also do backs. <laughs> you think I was going to have that guy cut me open no. and mess with my <laughs> spine? No. Right. No, I want Tiger Woods back. Right. I want whoever That's fixed him. Right. <laughs> right. I want a specialist. And even in that process, I didn't even meet the doctor till the day of surgery. I met his PA. I met his physical therapist. We went, I met the, the person in charge of billing. I worked with everybody on his team. And then the day of surgery, right before the anesthesiologist puts me out, I said, wait, I haven't met the doctor. He comes over and goes, hi, Mark Reichman. Nice to meet you. I'll see you in a couple hours. 99, 98, and I'm out. Well, you know, I didn't care that he was there during all of the pre-work. And I didn't care he was there during all the after work. But I wanted that surgeon, you know, in that important critical moment where, you know, he was doing the thing that he does better than anybody else. And, and so consumers today are trained to work with specialists and experts. But real estate agents have had a history of believing that they're the important person in the transaction. I mean, come on. You have big hair. We have big cars. We put our faces and pictures on everything. And uh, matter of fact, when I got my license, I thought I could never be a realtor. I don't have a big hair or a big <laughs> car. I don't even know how I could be. So here's what I've learned. Um, nobody actually cares about us as realtors. They care about themselves and that we're a tool in the process. And so why don't we become the sharpest tool? Why don't we become the deliverer of the greatest level of expert a device during each phase of the transaction. So that's what teams are to me is you get, look, when you work with 50 buyers a year, you're just better at it than someone who does it seven times. You know, you're better at negotiating. You know the market well. You've been in more houses. You know how to get your offer done in multiple offer situations. When you work with 60 or 70 listings and you list that many houses, you're just better at it. You're better at pricing. You're better at staging. You're better at the negotiation. You know how to hold your commission in a discounter's world. Like all that, all that happens. And look, um, I don't know any agent that's good at those two things that also loves the paperwork. It's a whole different personality type. And yet we, we, we believe that people hire us because it's us. No, they don't care about you. They care about where their families move in and whether or not their kids can play football at the school or, you know, they get a better education or they're closer to work or whatever. They don't care about, like, I, I can't think of, I'm probably talking more than you want me to. I can't think of any consumer who makes a decision to buy or sell a house because of the realtor. It, you make such a good point. And I even feel like this transcends real estate. I'm thinking about myself and our team and how we try to complement each other's interests because we do not have the same skill sets and that makes us better. So it, it's so clear when you say that. So my question then becomes, how as a practitioner, do I know when it's time to get my team going? You know, Maybe I'm feeling busy and overwhelmed 
you know, how do I know it's the time? Okay. So um, I believe that the day you get your license is the day you should start your team. Matter of fact, if you spend any of your day doing activities that you can outsource for $20 an hour, I can never take you to the place where you're making $1,000 an hour. So we spend 70 or 80% of our day doing administrative level tasks and they're important tasks, but they're not dollar producing activities. And so I think that now I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack on my own words and say that when you first get licensed, I need you to go through the process of understanding contracts and doing the transaction and knowing what the process is. But as after you've done it five or six times, I want you to give it to a transaction coordinator. Even if it's an outsourced person, let it, let somebody else take a contract to close. And then take those hours that you spend from, you know, after the kids go to bed until midnight and actually spend time with your with your loved ones or, you know, do something else, have a workout or meditate or read or whatever else interests you. Um, Real estate agents have a really high level of burnout, especially high performers. If you're doing 20 to 50 deals a year by yourself, um, you're probably at a place right now where the people in your life love you, but they wish they had more of you. Because you're there, but you're not really present. Right, right. Because you have all this background work that's pulling your attention away. Yeah. So day one, get your license, get an assistant. If you can't afford assistant, outsource your paperwork. All right. So now we know it's time to start a team. How do we find our A players? How, how do we find the characteristics of people that are going to create this great team? So there's first, first of all, we have a very specific criteria. So when we do teams and I'm looking for buyer's agents, for example, um, my target agent is 12 to 18 months in the business. They've sold less than 10 homes. So at that 18 months, what happens is they start wondering if they're actually going to be able to make it. They've run out of their friends and family deals, and they're not sure how to get new people coming in the pipeline. And so it's a high level of anxiety for them, but they're, they could be great people. They just haven't been trained or know how to hunt. So we target them. And then we go through a pretty significant interview process. One of my favorite books written by Patrick Lencioni, I have two Patrick Lencioni books that I love. The first one is called uh, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. He talks about the five reasons teams fail. And the other one is called The Ideal Team Player. And in his book, The Ideal Team Player, he talks about the three characteristics we look for when we want to hire talent. And the three things are hungry, humble, and smart. Uh, I love that. So now we can break that down, but how do you, how do you interview for hungry? Um, tell me about your financial situation. Are you wealthy? Do you need to work? Do you want to work? Like I ask those questions and people tell me, oh, you know, I have a trust, so I don't really need to work. Well, guess what? Not hungry. (laughs) Somebody says, if I don't make a hundred grand a year, I can't pay my bills. I've got a sick kid. I just bought a new house. I have to make money. That's hungry. I want that person on my team. I need you to want to be successful. Sometimes hungry doesn't mean you want money for yourself. I've got people that are hungry because they want to give more. They have a charity or a cause that they're so passionate about that they, they, it hurts them every time a pet suffers or it hurts them every time a child suffers. And so they want to be successful so that they can give it away. That's hungry to me. Um, humble means they're teachable. It's interesting how many people I meet and uh, we'll have a little bit of fun. I don't have the, how, the, who the audience is, but um, California agents always like to talk about the gross sales volume. I did 40 million. Um, <laughs> you know, that's like four houses, like big deal. What do you do the rest of the month? Right? I mean, like they, nice. they make a big deal about it. Like I have fun with them. When you talk to people that are in smaller markets, they'll tell you I sold 300 houses. Um, 
I change it all to how many families you serve. I don't, I don't think about it in gross commission or number of houses, but how many, how many families did you, how many families did you get to serve? People that are humble um, believe that they don't know it all and that there's an opportunity for them to grow. And so during the interview process, if they ask lots of questions and they want to know how we do things and they want to know they're, they're curious, how the great Howard Brent used to say, um, get out of judgment into curiosity. When somebody comes in in curiosity, that's a good interview. And then smart, you know, it's just really hard to help stupid people be successful in real estate because they cause you risk. And, and, and it could be common sense. It could be book smarts. It's a combination of those things and you test for it. And so we, we do a series of testing. We use discs and motivators and other things that we put people through. And I love working interviews. So we'll bring people in. We'll have them work with the team for a couple of days. And um, a lot of times the team will tell you whether or not they're a good fit. We hire as a team and we fire as a team because we want a culture of productivity. That is such a great point, though. And the, and the buy-in from the team makes like a, a really important component. So you've got me sold on creating a team. And secondly, now I know how to find the right people for a team. But then once you have them on your team, how are you as a team leader looking at productivity? You know, how do you track team members? Are there specific KPIs? You know, how do you look at this with so much you can measure, bro? Okay, so that's like a three-day course, but I'll give you the highlights. Okay. I'll give you the highlights. So you heard me say we want to have a culture of productivity. What that means is we set the standard of minimum levels of production to be on my team. Okay. And the minimum, minimum for a buyer agent or a listing partner is two deals a month. If you're not doing two deals a month and you're working full time, what, what the crap do you do all day? Um, I have agents tell me all the time I'm full time. Well, how many deals you sell? 15. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's not like what? Like, what do you like? Seriously, your family thinks you leave and go to work and you're not doing it at like 50. How do you, it's not like, what do you do? I, I want to know what you do all day. And so a culture of productivity means we have a daily huddle every day. We do a 15-minute huddle where we track all the leads that came in, and then we do a thing called 61 points of rhythm. And every one of our agents has a tracker where they have to get 61 points doing dollar productive activities. We've learned by tracking that we track all the important things that every 240 to 270 points, you get a transaction. And so if you want to increase your transactions, you increase the number of activities you do that drive that result. So it's predictable. So we do a daily huddle, it's 15 minutes, and then we role play. So every day, all of our agents will sit down and they'll practice scripts and dialogues. We do location, price, motivation, work with an agent, qualify for a mortgage, set the appointment. We talk about building relationships, using family, occupation, recreation, dreams. When somebody says, I want, to do, I want an agent that'll do it for less, we say there's three things everybody wants. When they make a major buying decision, price, quality, and service, you can get two of the three, which, is the, which of the two are you willing to give up if the lowest price is most important? So we teach them scripts and dialogues. I know you guys are laughing at me because I'm rattling them off. I think I, I've practiced these a few times. Well, I, I love it because I'm just thinking how prepared <laughs> I would be. You know, you're basically making me prepared for everything, you know, and that's fascinating because the more you practice, the more you run through this, when you come down to deliver it, you're going to be ready to go. Um, but I'm really fascinated on these points of rhythm. So these are, these are um, activities within their day they should be doing, or can you expand on that just a little bit more for me? Yeah, we call it our daily success habits tracker. Um, a lot of the things that we teach on follows a book written by the great Ogmandino, who wrote this book, The Greatest Salesman in the World. And in his book, there's 10 scrolls. Scroll number one says, today I begin a new life. Today I shed my old skin, which has long suffered the bruises of failure and the wounds of mediocrity. 
Today I'm born anew and my birthplace is a vineyard where there's fruit for all. What he's saying is, hey, what if you could have a do-over? What if today, what if today you could start fresh and you can get rid of all your crap, all your baggage, all the stuff you, every time something bad happens, you go, see, that always happens to me. What if I let, what if we could let that go today? And then on the next page, he says, the difference between those who succeeded and those who failed lies in their habits. Good habits open the door to success. Bad habits unlock the door to failure. So the first law I will follow is I will form good habits and become their slave. Well, as a result of that scroll, we created the Daily Success Habits track, Tracker. So here's what we track. We track the prospecting calls you make, the conversations you have, the appointments you set. You get, point, you get one point for each of those. You get 10 points if you show a home, to, if you show at least two homes to a buyer. You don't get any points if you only show one house because we teach our agents that if they want to see a home, that you need to do your research to find another one they might like as well. So you always show two homes. Um, we track listing appointments set, listing appointments met, contracts written. So we track the activities that generate revenue. If you don't have appointments, then you get all 61 points by prospecting. And so the goal is to get 61 points every single day. And the last one in the, in the points is, stands for 1MT, 1MT, and that means one more thing, one more time. So you do 60 points and then make one more call, set one more appointment, do one more thing. It's just that extra little bit that puts people over the edge. It's a blueprint for activity. It makes so much sense. I was just thinking that takes me back to kind of the very beginning of this of when to start a team right away. Well, when you have a blueprint for success, you don't feel that need to be a seasoned realtor who's gone through the process a thousand times to understand what to do. You guys have basically provided like, here's exactly what you do to be successful when we're all going to work on it together. So, and as long as you have, you're hungry, humble, and smart, you're going to be able to accomplish this. Like it all comes full circle. That's exactly right. So we've, we've created for teams that blueprint. So if you think, I wish I had this, I have the job description, the interview question, the contract, uh, what to do in a daily huddle. How do you onboard an agent the first 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days of every position on a team? And so we've developed all these resources so you as a team leader can focus on two things, business development and people development. And then everything else is in a system. That's amazing. I love it. Well, I mean, if any of our listeners want to follow up and explore your coaching options, how would they go about that? And then for those that are not ready for coaching today, do you have a takeaway that they can use to improve their business? Like what should they do today? Okay. So those, those are a lot of things. <laughs> um, to, so look, you know, not everybody's ready for a coach and that's totally fine. What we do is we do a coaching consultation just go to workmansuccess.com, click on coaching and schedule a coaching consultation. We'll just look at your business. We'll just have a conversation with you and see if we're a fit. Um, our people are like, we don't talk people into coming into coaching. If we're a good fit, we'll tell you. And if we're not, we'll give you a, a series of a group coaching or a different way of kind of getting you into a place where it makes sense for you financially. And then, and then we'll invite you in to become a client. So it's a pretty easygoing process. Um, as far as takeaways for today, I'll give you one thing. And that is, is that most people... Uh, spend a lot of time and money trying to find business. They, 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 they go out and they buy leads. They do all these things. What I would encourage everybody to do is to create a list of the 50 people in their life that are most likely to give them one referral a year. I call it my top 50. Now I have a system for this, but I'm going to give this to you. You go, you make a list, 50 people, and I want you to have one personal touch with all 50 of them every month, every month with all 50. And I want you to think about serving, not selling. 
how are you doing? How's your family? What can I do to help? And uh, after about the third or fourth call, let them know that they're in your top 50 and that you're just counting on them for at least one referral this year. And when you're making your friend calls, it's different than when you're making your top 50 call. And after about the third or fourth call, you can call and say, hey, it's a top 50 call. Who do you got? They'll tell you. We had an agent last year close 74 transactions just out of her top 50. And we have many of our individual agents and teams that are doing as many as 86 transactions. So I would say stop buying leads and start working with the relationships and the people you already like, know, and trust and serve regardless of the opportunity and the opportunities will come back in spades. That's fantastic. It really is. And again, you know, it comes back to the numbers, you know, Verl's got a plan and he tells you to work the, the system, you know, do your, do your, put your list together and, you know, do it within this time frame, this one month period. And it's amazing. I, and how much more successful are you when you reach out to people, you know, right, right. you know, like you've, you've already um, like, they're, they're the people who want to refer you. They know who you are. And when you're a buyer and you're, you know, trying to find a real estate agent to work with, you want someone you can trust right away. So who are you going to go with? Someone who's referred you that you already trust. That's right. And you're going to choose, everybody knows a lot of realtors. Like we all know a bunch of them. And so it's who's ever at the front of the mind of that consumer at the moment that life event occurs. And so with your top 50, that's why you're having a personal touch every month. So when those life events occur, boom, they think of you first and that, and that just works. Uh, Reggie, you said something you're picking up that I'm a bit of a systems guy. Uh, I believe that anything you do three times in your business, you should have a system for it. So anybody can sit in that seat and duplicate that task at a high, with a high level of execution systems for everything. It makes sense. And I'm hearing what you're saying and time being your biggest asset. That's how you can offload that to someone else when you have your system. So I'm already like taking this in. I'm going to talk to my wife tonight. My wife's going to be calling you. Her team can use this growth. I mean, she's doing a lot of this already, but I think it's those systems that would really be a game changer. So, um, I don't know about you, Jeannie, but I'm just absolutely fascinated. I think this was just one of the most fun podcasts we could have done and uh, super delighted, Burl, that you were able to join us today. Well, I appreciate you having me. What a great time. Yeah. Yes. So say your website one more time before we close out in case anyone wants to find it. Yeah. Well, you can email me directly, Verl at workmansuccess.com or go to our website, workmansuccess.com. Uh, click on anything you want to know about us. We can do events. We'll come in and help you with your teams. If you're a broker owner that wants to build teams and you don't know how to do it, give us a call. We'll, we'll help you figure it out. That's fantastic. You have over 60 coaches now, don't you? We do have 60 and we'll be at 100 before the end of next year. There you go. All right. Thank you, Verl. And this has been Decoding Real Estate. Take care, everyone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.